Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. I, I got lost in song there for a moment, and I uh, was watching the children leave the auditorium, and we got to the end of that first part of the chorus and I I paused for a moment in my head and said is that the first time or the second time so I had to pause there before we started because it was only the first time and so you don't want to start the second part without anyone else singing along with you and so I appreciate Trevor uh, leading that He, he was a little nervous he came in right before the service and he said I lost the sheet music and so uh, I said, well, it's a good thing you know it. And he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, but he did great, didn't he? Amen. Thank you, Missy, for playing uh, this morning. He found it uh, just in the, not in the nick of time, but uh, you knew it, and it was great. And then also, Missy, thank you so much for filling in on the piano this morning. That was wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. You can find in your Bibles the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. And uh, we are in verse number 32 as we have been making our way through this wonderful, wonderful chapter uh, known as the Great Hall, uh, the Great Hall of Faith. And there are many, many people that have been mentioned already throughout this wonderful chapter. We've examined their life and their life of faith. And um, In verse number 32, we were here and began this last week as we looked at uh, whether or not God ever works with an imperfect faith. And I'm glad to report to you that He does, and uh, does often. And I was encouraged myself uh, through the life of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah in, uh, if we could even say, in their lack of faith, or maybe we could even say it in their faith among their lack of faith and yet God used each and every one of them and he will do the same for you but I hope that you have found as much encouragement from this verse uh, as I have Um, and I never want to stand before you as some pious gas bag or some uh, with some pharisaical attitude uh, that I don't ever have doubts or lack faith because I do And uh, I do very much, Um, but that's why I find such great encouragement from these four men that uh, God chose to uh, include within this hall of faith. Uh, So now this week, we're going to continue uh, to look at this verse in verse number 32, as the scripture says, and what shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. So we're going to pause right here once again in this verse here, and we're going to look at David this morning. Now, I I will tell you, uh, David is uh, another giant personality of faith. I would put David uh, among the ranks of, uh, of Abraham and Moses. Uh, when it comes to the great faith that he demonstrated throughout his life. And uh, again, uh, David, if I were uh, putting together my own hall of faith, David would be uh, close to the top of that list if it were me. I mean, he would definitely uh, make the cut. 
But the fact of the matter is, it's not about my cut, it's not about my opinion, it's about God's opinion. And God chose also to put David in this great hall of faith. Now, David, of course, is a mighty man of war. And it wasn't just his fame for killing the giant that David had in his faith. It was who he was as a warrior and a leader of men. David, as he left the palace as the king at that time, Saul, uh, was making attempts to take David's life out of a, a jealous rage. Three attempts. And David finally said, by the uh, urging of his best friend Jonathan, who happened to also be the king's son, he said, David, you have to leave or my dad is going to kill you. And so David left and went into uh, the wilderness of Israel and around. And amazingly, as David had already uh, gathered a following and that type of thing, uh, several hundred men gathered unto David and they said, we want to serve with you. And so these men and David, they built their own camp and uh, they went out and uh, somewhat as mercenaries at times. Uh, David had partnered with the Philistines a couple of different times to uh, join them in wars and other uh, people and other armies, and they would uh, give them part of the spoils, and that's how they lived. And uh, there were other times when David would come against uh, Saul and have opportunity to even take Saul's life if he so chose, but it was David's faith that caused him to not take Saul's life even telling him as such. David had opportunities. But I don't want to talk about those times of David's faith. I would like you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. In a time of David's faith that is demonstrated to us in a very heavy, a very deep, and a very really depressing time in David's life. And yet he shows a tremendous amount of faith. And I want you to take note that it is during this very low time of David's life. David and his men had taken the city of Ziklag and they had built camp there and were raising their families there. And they uh, had been away fighting. And the other armies that they were fighting with sent them away and told them to return home because they were preparing to go against Israel. And they got a little nervous, even though David had proved himself as an honorable man and proved himself as uh, a man of integrity. They, they were a little concerned as they formed this league, and they were debating back and forth whether or not David should go with them against Israel. And they, the couple of them said, look, we're, we're a little nervous here. They said, if we go to battle with Israel, David, being from Israel, he might, uh, in the middle of the battle, decide to partner with Israel and against us. And everyone here knows what that man and his men are capable of. And they said, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Let's send him home. Tell him we don't need him on this one. And so that's exactly what they did. And as David and his men had been out uh, fighting for uh, several days, possibly even weeks during this time, they returned back in verse number 30. And the Bible says, And it came to pass when David 
or chapter 30, verse 1, sorry. When David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left stayed behind. But David pursued. He and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. We'll stop there for just a moment, but I want you to take note of a couple of places here within these first ten verses as we read. Of course, you can see a, a very troubling situation. You can see in verse number six where the Scripture says, David was greatly distressed, greatly distressed. And it simply means that he was suffering. He had a great pain, uh, being, being weary and afflicted, uh, in his, uh, not just in his physical spirit, but in his uh, spiritual spirit, if I could say that, in his mental uh, capacity. And all of the people here in verse number 6, the Bible says they were all grieved, and they had taken great sorrow and pain within their thoughts. All they could think about was their families that had been taken. During this time, David, they wanted to stone him. You can see the difficulty that's taking place for David. And yet, also in verse number 6, the Bible says, but. If you're in the habit of marking your Bibles, you might want to circle uh, that word there, but David. What did he do during this time? Well, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
And he asked Abathar, he said, bring the ephod to me. I need to talk to God. And he asked and inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue? God responded and said, pursue. Go. You're going to recover all. So David went. Him, 600 men, it's time to go. But there were some that they couldn't go. They were too tired. They were too weak. So David said, you stay here. There's 200 out of 600. That's a good chunk, by the way. But David pursued, it says in verse number 10. He and 400 men. During a time that it probably would have been understandable had they stayed behind. It would have been understandable as, they, as we see in verse number 4 that they had no more power to weep. They had cried all they could cry. And yet David pursued. And I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Having Enough Faith to Pursue. Having enough faith to pursue. Could you do it? Could you do what David did here in 1 Samuel chapter 30? Could you do what his men did with him? Could you pursue? And I want, and I want to show you a few things that in their pursuit, they pursued some other things. And I want to show you this morning how when you and I have times that are heavy, when you and I have times of great depression or great distress, that there are some things that we can pursue within our lives that will encourage our faith in God. So let's pray this morning and we'll jump right into this message, having enough faith to pursue. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much. God, once again, you bring to us a man from your word, a man that you said was a man that was after your own heart, a man that pursued after you by faith. And Father, this morning, there are many times in our life that we don't have strength, that we lose hope, that we lose spirit, and even lose much faith. But Father, we have a desire this morning to learn how we can overcome by by and in your strength, these times of weakness and these times where we might lack some faith. And so, Father, I ask this morning that you would allow us in this chapter from your word, from your book, to glean a spirit of pursuit. And in the same spirit of pursuit that your servant, David, pursued by faith. May we see it, but most of all, God, may we apply it to our own lives. Help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. David's character was demonstrated in how he trusted God. And how he trusted in God's word that caused him to pursue after some things. 
Now in this, in these first 10 verses, we're going to look at the rest of them here, uh, hopefully very quickly here, but I want you to see what David's faith caused him to pursue after. Now I know at first glance as we read that, that we assume that David was simply pursuing after this troop that had come into his city and taken his wives and his children and all of his men's wives and their children. But there's a little bit more that David is pursuing after than simply a troop or after these men. And these are the things that we need to apply to our life in our faith to pursue after. I want you to see the first thing that David pursues after is actually the most important thing that you and I can pursue after. You say, what is that? Well, David, in his faith, chose to pursue after God. Did you see that? As the Bible says, in his distress, in his weariness, in his brokenness, the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. At a time when everyone else among David was looking inward, David was looking upward. At a time when his distress, as everyone else was talking about killing David, that made him even more distressed, he chose to look upward to God. He chose to look to Him that could only help him. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. I ask you this morning, by way of first point, when these things happen in your life, not necessarily in the same situation, but when you find yourself in distress, when you find yourself amongst grief, when you find yourself in times of sorrow, is it God who you pursue first? David encouraged himself, and the Lord is God. But it wasn't just in him that he pursued within this, but if you notice in the very next verse, David came to Abathar the priest. Now understand this, Abathar was the priest. He is the one that would go to God on behalf of the people, but David in this particular case said, bring me the ephod. This was a, a breastplate that the priest would wear when he stood before God, and it represented a holiness that David was pursuing after. So he didn't just pursue after him, the only one that could help. David also pursued after holiness. He wanted to make sure that God would hear his prayer, that God would hear his request. And I'm grateful in the fact that Jesus Christ died to save us. And that He has saved us. And that the Bible teaches us in the New Testament that you and I, you know what we are? We're priests. We have the opportunity to go before God's throne. It's not limited in who can. It's open to all that are saved to go before God boldly. Before His throne of grace. Not in a proud way, not in a haughty way, but in a bold way. Knowing that God answers and hears and answers our prayers. David understood that, but he put on this ephod to represent the holiness that he would, should have in approaching God. And as David did, I don't know about you, but I guarantee you David was pretty glad that God didn't stop and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, David, you're not a priest. Go away. David, you got the wrong clothes on. Go away. David, what do you think you're doing? No, it wasn't that at all. David said, shall I pursue this troop? And God said, pursue. 
recover all. You go. And so in David's pursuit of him, and in David's pursuit of holiness, it next led David to a time that he would pursue after the heathen. The Amalekites that came, that took from him, he pursued. David and his 600 men, the heathen. I want to make a comparison here during this time because David and his men were going to pursue after the Amalekites and they were not going to invite them to dinner. You know what I mean? They were going to kill them. They were going to wreak havoc on them. They were going to recover everything and everyone that they had taken. But for us, it's a little different. It's not the type of heathen that I want to compare us to. You see, there is a heathen today that does not know God. They do not know Christ as their Savior. And do you realize that God has told us to pursue after them? Not to bring them death, but rather to bring them life. We have a pursuit of the heathen that you and I are supposed to do. And I will tell you that in a time of distress and in times of sorrow, it is possible for you and I to be more concerned about someone's eternity and their faith in Jesus Christ than what we would be in our own distress. And David pursued the heathen here, and yet we too shall pursue. And the Bible says again, as God answered David, he said, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. I, 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 I'll be the first to tell you, we don't see more, you want to know why we don't see more people saved? Because we're not pursuing. We're not pursuing. We're not going after them and pursuing them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, they're not getting saved. Somewhere along the line, somebody's going to have to say, I'll pursue. Somebody's going to have to say, I, I know I'm hurt, I know I I I'm struggling, I know I'm going through this, but God, because I'm pursuing you, and because I'm pursuing your holiness, I'll also pursue the heathen to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they might live in eternity forever. Someone, somewhere has to do that. But I'll tell you, if we spend, if we spend more time here on our pew, well, well, they need to come to us. No. They don't need to come to us. We need to go to them. I mean, could you imagine if that was David's game plan? If that was David's game plan, said, well, uh, we're, we're, we're a little weary, we're a little tired, so, so God, if you'll just bring the Amalekites back, we'll take them out. No. David didn't ask to bring them back. He said, can we pursue? And God said, pursue. Again, in our connection here we ought to pursue the heathen 
We, we've bought into this that, that that's too personal. Wait a second. How come someone's eternal life is too personal? Why, why, are, we, why are we concerned about that? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by the fact that we are so afraid to ask someone if they would die today that heaven would be their home. Now, I'm not, I, I, look, I know we, we've been taught it's, it's somewhat rude to ask someone's age, especially if they're a lady. I get that. Look, don't ask me how much I weigh, okay? Just don't. If you want to know, I'll tell you. I'm in a large neighborhood. It's got a big zip code. But, but listen, we're not talking about, I mean, that's personal. Where someone's going to die, you know they're going to die. No one's escaping that. But where they'll spend eternity? That's not, that's not rude. We call that compassion. Jude said, and some having compassion, making a difference. Let me ask you something. Whose life are you making a difference in for eternity? Whose life? We've got to pursue after the heathen. Because when we do, we'll overtake them with the Spirit of the Lord, with the power of His mind, with His holy word, so that they might recover all. I understand this is not the same connection here within David, because again, they're going after the Amalekites, they're going to slay them. That's what they're intending to do. But the heathen that I'm talking about this morning, we ought to help save them. Are you willing to pursue after him? Are you willing to pursue his holiness? Are you willing to pursue the heathen that they might live? But I want you to know something else here. The Bible says in verse number 9, So David went, he and his 600 men that were with him. And it came to the brook Besor where those that were left behind stayed. I kind of like that phrase right there. Those that were left behind stayed. They stayed right there. But David pursued. He and 400 men. For 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. While David pursued after him and holiness and the heathen, I want to say also that David pursued after the heavy-hearted. These men had fought with David. These men had been by David's side. But by the time they went from Ziklag to the brook, they said, we want to. Our desire is to. But we can't. We can't even cross the brook. Now we're not talking the Jordan River here. We're talking a brook. That's a lot smaller. That's you just walk through and over it. You're done. And they said, we can't go. And David, he said, you know what? I understand. You stay. You stay. Now look, I, I'm just going to tell you, our spirit is not always to help the heavy-hearted. Especially when we ourselves are heavy-hearted. We say things like, well, if I can, you can. We say things like, fine, be that way. 
You don't want to go? Don't go. Fine. But David said, no, that's, that's fine. You stay behind. Just stay here. We got this. Now, now look, I, I don't know how many Amalekites there were, but David had 600 men and just lost a third of them. And he said, y'all stay. What would cause somebody to do that? If not faith in what God said? It was David's faith that allowed him to pursue after the heavy-hearted. He said, you stay. And I'll tell you, when that happened, an amazing thing is about to happen here. Because while David is pursuing after all of these things and pursuing after the heathen, the Bible says in verse 11 that they found an Egyptian in the field. And they brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. They made him drink water. They gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. So you can see something here. David and his men, they're going through the field. And again, 400 men uh, and David, they're not going to travel in a you know, close proximity. And so as they're going through, they're pursuing after uh, the heathen here. They left 200 uh, heavy-hearted men behind. And they come upon a man, an Egyptian man, that had no strength. They probably checked for a pulse and realized he was alive. And they picked him up and they brought him to David. And they said, what do we do? David said, well, get him something to eat. Get him something to drink. He's so weary. And they did. And they brought him along. They gave him all kinds of things, bread and water and uh, a cake, piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. Come to find out the man hadn't eaten in three days. And as he regained his composure, they found something out. In verse number 13, David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. Listen, David was pursuing after all of these things. And in the midst of pursuing after the heathen, David did not neglect the helpless. David had no idea who this man was. David had no idea that this man was going to reveal to them everything that they needed to know. He didn't know that. But he helped him anyway. He helped him Anyway, he helped someone and expected nothing from him. Helpless. And yet, he was about to be the most helpful of all of the pursuit of David and these 400 men. You see, he said, I'm an Egyptian. I got sick three days ago and my master left me here to die. I wonder how many of us would have just stepped over or walked around and said, no, that's not my business. But not David and his men. They picked him up. They nursed him back to health. 
And he didn't know who David was. But David wanted to know who are you. In verse 14, he said, we, we, we made an invasion upon the south, the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? He said, Can you show me where they're at? He said to David, he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. Hello. Are you picking up on this? David stopped to help somebody that couldn't help himself, that without David's help was going to die in the middle of a field. As if God had something to do with it. As if God intervened and took David on the right path. I think David's faith was encouraged when he said, I serve my master in Amalekite. Oh yeah. He said, can you show me where they're at? He said, well I can. But you've got to promise me something. You've got to swear by your God that you're not going to deliver me back to my master. I don't know. I can picture this in my mind. I'm, I don't want to put, ever put anything into Scripture, but I picture this in my mind. I picture David chuckling a little bit. Saying, you're not going to have a master after I'm done with him. So he showed David where he was. Aren't you glad that David wasn't so heartless that he couldn't help somebody else among his pursuit. I think sometimes we get so caught up in what we are doing that we forget about those who can't help themselves. We get so caught up in building our own kingdom and what we want and what we desire that we forget that there are people that cannot help themselves that need our help. I, I like to call that ministry. I, I, I would like to think that as a church, ministry would be one of the first things upon our minds. Ministry for those who can't minister to themselves. David pursued after him. He pursued after holiness. He pursued after the heathen, the heavy-hearted that were with him. He took care of them. He pursued after the helpless. And you can see within this, as he brought them down in verse 16, that they, they had it spread out, man. It says they were had it abroad all the earth. They were eating and drinking and dancing because all of the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even to the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, 
This is David's spoil. It's almost as if David had faith in what God said. Oh, wait a minute. He did. He said, God, should we pursue? God said, pursue. For thou shalt recover all. All. Every bit of it you'll recover. So David pursued. And it happened. By faith, David went based upon what God had said. And they recovered all. And they came in verse number 21, because this chapter's not over here. They came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide by the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then, check this out, then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial and those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Well, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a much different spirit, isn't it? Now, up to this point, these men had followed David in pursuit of God, in pursuit of holiness, in pursuing the heathen and the heavy-hearted and the helpless. And they fought hard. I mean, this wasn't a quick battle, was it? No, no, no. This was a long battle. This was a period of days that it took to pursue them, to overtake them, to recover all. Then they had to pack it all up. Then they had to carry it back. And they come to the brook Besor, and those men had, had recovered. They're now good to go. And they come, and they meet David, and they meet the men, and they salute one another. And the men, these 400 men at least, part of them said, Could have used your help. They said, get your wives, get your children, and hit the road. We don't need you. As a matter of fact, not only do we not need you, we don't want you. But all you get is your wives and your children. We're keeping everything else. That, that sounds very Christian, doesn't it? Well, of course not. And David knew this, and that's why he also pursued after the heretics. Look at this. David said, in verse number 23, Ye shall not do so, my brethren. And look what he says. With that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us in our hand. Hold on a second. David stood up. These men, and again, I can see this spirit. I can understand this spirit. They said, you didn't help us. The only thing you deserve is your wife and children. Then you can just go on. And David said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, no. He said, we didn't do this on our own. He said, I understand we overcame and, and, and we got all of everything back, but it's only because God was with us. It's only because God allowed us. So we're not going to do that. No, no, sir. That's not what we do here. 
May we not get so caught up in what God has given us here at Bailey Road that we forget that God has given it. May we not get so caught up in, 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 in the facilities or, or the lighting or anything else without knowing that God has provided it, that God has given it to us. May we not do that. May we not be so proud in, in what's been accomplished that we forget that everything we have, God has provided. And David said, I'll stand against you. But we're not doing that. He said in verse 24, For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so his part shall be, that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance in Israel unto this day. David pursued after the heretics those that would cause a ruckus, those that would stand against what is right. And that's what a heretic is, by the way. It's those that will stand against that, is, that which is right. And David said, no, I'll stand against you. And I'll stand with God. And we ought to be able to have that same spirit amongst ourselves as we pursue after God. And His holiness, and the heathen, and the heavy-hearted, and the helpless. Why? Because he wanted to also pursue after harmony. Now, I want you to see something else that David does here. It's, it's actually rather unusual. You see, David went and slaughtered the Amalekites, recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, their wives, their daughters, their sons. But then all the spoils, that's all of the other things that they had taken. And the Bible says in verse number 26, check this out. And this is not David the king. This is David the fugitive running from Saul. David came to Ziklag. And he sent out of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To them which were in Bethel, to them which were in the south, Ramoth. To them that were, which were in Jatire. To them which were in Aor. To them which were in Sipoth, or Sipvoth. To them that which were in Estoma. To them which were in Raquel. To them which were in the cities of the Jermalarites. To them which were in the cities of the Kenites. To them which were in Hamora. To them which were in Korashan to them which were in Athach, to them which were in Hebron. And look at this. David, and, and to those places where David himself and his men won't to haunt. That is, that they made a habit to frequent or visit often. David took that spoil that his men wanted to keep for themselves. They weren't even going to share it with the men that they had battled with. And David said, Let's keep some harmony here. Let's keep some harmony. And let's give it away. Let's give it to, take it back to those cities that it was also taken from. And he said, God has given 
Let's use it for good. And they're giving it away. You know what? I've come to realize in this passage that some of those 400 men, the men of Belial and the men, those heretics, they were probably among some of them that had the distinct pleasure of taking those spoils to those cities to give it away. You know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Those men said, no, we've earned this. It's our right. And David said, let's give it away. To keep harmony, let's give it away. David pursued after much. You see, when we first read this chapter, we look and we say, and David pursued the Amalekites. Oh, he did. But there was so much more that David pursued. Because it started with God. He pursued Him. A man after God's own heart. He pursued holiness. Yeah, he pursued the heathen, but there were some that were heavy-hearted along the way, and there were some that were helpless along the way. And he pursued them as well. Those heretics, he pursued them and convinced them to give it away. Why? Because he pursued harmony as well. He understood the power of which harmony brings to any group. To any group. Harmony is important. I ask you this morning, What are you pursuing when you're at your lowest? Now again, when we read this chapter, if you take out those first six or seven verses, eight verses, you you see a very normal David and his men. They're warriors. Wherever they went, they won. They took care of business. But we cannot forget that this was not David and his men just simply taking care of business. This is when they were at the lowest point of their life. And they pursued after something. And it started with God. What are you pursuing after when you're at your lowest? Are you simply just pursuing for you? You'll find, as I have found, when we simply pursue after ourselves to make ourselves happy, We're going to stay unhappy longer. But David chose to encourage himself in the Lord. We too should do so. There's so much more to pursue than just you and your happiness. There's a whole host of things that will come to benefit you and your happiness. And it won't make sense, but there's a pattern here. When we learn to pursue after God, and we follow after His holiness, and we pursue after the heathen to see them saved, we'll realize that there are others that are heavy-hearted that we can help. And there are those that cannot help themselves that need our help, that we can help. Yes, there may be some heretics along the way. We have to pursue them too so that we can live in harmony with one another and recover all. What will you pursue? A better question, do you have enough faith 
to pursue. We'll have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.